Hello and welcome back to our podcast where Audrey Zetoun, a life coach based in London, and myself, Sarah-Jane Pasteur, family lawyer practicing international family law in England and Hong Kong, talk about relationships, family and well-being. The idea behind the podcast is to give you advice to help you overcome the challenges related to separation and divorce, but also to married life, love life, co-parenting. With this podcast, we offer you a wealth of information and advice on all these subjects from a well-being, coaching and legal point of view. In each episode, we share our personal and professional experience and with the help of our guests, we hope to help you move forward in your life. If you would like to know more about what we do when we're not doing this podcast, you can go to the notes of the podcast where you will find links to everything you need to know about us. Let's get back to today's topic. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming Samara Iqbal, solicitor founder of Aramis Law with its head office in Manchester and offices in Abu Dhabi, the UAE, Doha and Riyadh. Samara is a family lawyer and deals more specifically with international divorces, Sharia law and expat divorces in Dubai and the UAE. There are so many things we would like to discuss with Samara, so we might have to do another episode, but today we are going to concentrate on one area of expertise, which is the one uh, where Samara assists expat divorcing in the Middle East. So first of all, Samara, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you and Audrey. Thank you for having Hello. me on. So, yeah, def- hi. I just, I'll just briefly um, explain. Um, I think you've said it nicely that we are, I am a solicitor, so that's my profession. So I practice law and predominantly family law. And what we do is we assist, obviously, everybody in the UK that has an issue in family law, uh, but we also assist expat clients and all over the world, to be honest, but mainly in from the Middle East who need advice or someone who is a specialist um, and needs advice on the processes there. Sharia law as well. And obviously, if they've got a link to the UK, we assist them with the UK side. Um, and we, um, you know, like, so we make applications here in the UK. Uh, if there's something in the Abu Dhabi court that we can do, we help them. If there's anything else that we can advise them on and assist with, we, we, we do that as well. That sounds, that sounds great. Thank you, Samara. And it's, it's a pleasure to, ha- to have you today. So expats divorcing in the Middle East is something that you deal with and also obviously in the UK, as you, as you mentioned. My, um, it's quite a niche area. And that's what I have to say is because I guess when I um, lived myself and I was based in Dubai for a number of years um, when I was there, and being, it was it was quite weird how it all happened because I obviously was a UK qualified solicitor, and then I studied Sharia law, and I've got a master's, and I and I learned, you know, I speak Arabic, I can read, write, everything else. And then when I was in Dubai and I started working for the firm that I did, um, it all kind of kind of gelled really well. So I kind of found out that there is this is an area that you know there's not that many experts, especially in family law. And I um, started working and see, seeing clients who needed, you know, advice. And there's so many different jurisdictions sometimes involved. And I'll give you an example. I had a lady who's, you know, in Bahrain, uh, was married in Italy. Her husband is Lebanese, but he lives in Dubai. And, you know, and they want advice on, hang on, what, what do I do? Where do I divorce? Um, what happens in these countries? And we, we're not experts in every country, obviously, but we definitely will try and guide them the best we can in looking at where to do it. If we can't, 
do that particular area, we'll guide them to an expert in that area if we have to. We also, um, you know, the expats themselves, the, the, the clients that are in those jurisdictions who don't know the language and the law. So they do want somebody as well that knows what they're doing and is familiar with everything. Uh, and that speaks English and or is, is, is someone that knows Sharia law. So that's the kind of clients that we do, the expats mainly. But obviously we do in the UK all the normal kind of British yes. clients that mm. have a divorce and, and a normal issue going on. So we do that as well. But our niche work is, is expats. But why is it so different and why do they need, you know, such uh, an assistance uh, when you, you have, uh, you, you apply Sharia law and why is it so yeah. complex? It's completely different to anything else. So Sharia law itself is, is just a big area and it's quite traditional. And most of these courts in the Middle East, they will use Sharia law. Um, and that is the main law. But lots of the courts will allow an expat to use home country laws as well. So if I'm a British person living in Dubai and just say my wife files a divorce in the Dubai court, I can, as a, a British expat, say, well, I actually don't want to use Sharia law or UAE law, which is based on Sharia law principles. I want to use British law. But then you have the issue where the UAE court can turn around and say, well, sorry, um, we want to, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go with UAE law instead. And they have that discretion as well. So it's a very complicated area. So you can bring the law from the UK, you can have it in Arabic, you can have it attested and notarized, but a court can still kind of throw it out. But there is, you know, it's getting better, there is options, um, but it gets very, very complicated, especially when it gets into court, there's litigation. And I think the whole area for expats is very difficult because there's lots of things like relocation, somebody wants to leave, there's things such as child abduction, there's lots of other areas about You know, they have court orders from the different countries that they need to enforce. So it's a very, very um, specialised area. People do want um, an expert that can, can guide them because uh, they don't know the answers and it's not readily available. It's not very clear as well because it's all in the old system of the Sharia law. And, you know, it's not that easy sometimes just to get that advice and understand what someone's saying. Um, so, yeah, so it's definitely um, a big area and people do need specialist lawyers to help them. I have so many questions. <laughs> This is so interesting. First, <laughs> I have experience in international divorces in Hong Kong. Usually the judges are, although they're very, they used to be, they're not so much anymore, from Western countries um, like England, Australia, etc. They're very much, weren't very open on other laws. What's the case in the courts where you go do are the judges aware of what happens that, because it's a, an expat hub um are they aware of all the different laws or is it always difficult it's always difficult so these judges even though they know there's lots of americans and you know yeah. french people or whatever spanish people coming to court they will look at it but they do kind of stick to like to stick to what they know that's the problem so if you get a ua judge and he thinks well hang on I can't be bothered with this. It's it's too complicated. You know, it's simple just to do it our way because that's what we, we know. They just don't deal with it. And that's the problem. You can't, there's no precedence there. It's just, there's a lot of discretion on how the judge wants to deal with it. And then if you're not happy with the judge's decision and it goes to the Court of Appeal, then it goes to the Cassation Court. And it's just, and you could lose each one. I had one 
where he lost his custody battle with the kids. He'd, he'd abducted them and it was, he lost at each court, at each level. But he just kept trying to see if a different judge would do something different. And they all looked at the original judge. So, you know, it's, it is, it's just, they like to stick to what they know. They're not really familiar with every type of law. They will look at the papers if it comes in, but it's up to the judge. You know, if he thinks it's too complicated and it's asking for too much, he'll just say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not going to deal with this. And he can, he has the authority to do so. So it's very difficult for a lawyer because the yes. <laughs> first question that clients usually ask you is, what are my chance of, of, of winning on using that law or whatever? You can't say anything because it's totally discretionary. No. So if, for example, you've got, so you've got this, this happens a lot in Dubai courts, for example, you've got a father who's, you know, British, but he lives in Dubai and mum is um, British and she tries to put British law forward. The father is clever and says, well, I don't want British law. I want Sharia law because he knows with Sharia, the children are at a certain level. He won't need to give, uh, he might be able to get custody, for example. He can enforce that he wants Sharia law over UK law, even though wife wants UK law and he can get the judge to agree with him even though he's British because he doesn't want mum to, to mm. try and get... And this happens a lot. Now, Dubai court is itself changing its laws over time. They're seeing that this is happening a lot. So they're not like they don't know. They are trying to, they are changing it. And that's why the Abu Dhabi court has has come through because they, they've made a specific court for, for non-Muslims. Um, Muslims can use it as well. Yes. Generally, court, so they try to be very civil where they are not making you know these issues they're just dealing with things like a regular court does they're not using sharia principles but using civil court procedures and very similar to the uk so they're trying to implement how a uk court would work with financial matters with custody and not implementing any sharia system so this is a very unique court that started and that we're involved with so it's, it's brilliant so it's just it's an eye-opener and i think a lot of other countries in the middle east will definitely follow suit because it's it's kind, but it's specifically made as a civil court. So they register marriages, birth certificates, prenups, divorces, custody. Um, you know, they, they've really opened it all up. Wills, especially for non-Muslims. You know, they've done it for Muslims as well. So they've really made it um, a unique court because you also get in the Middle East Muslims married to non-Muslims. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Exactly, because I said, is it, yeah. <laughs> if they go to Dubai court, Dubai court's like, hang on, your husband's Christian. You're Muslim. How did you get, you You got married in whichever country, but you can't use this court because either you're both non-Muslim or you're both Muslims and there's different procedures for both. Uh, and then they're stuck. So if they have got a civil court and they can use that, that, that's brilliant for them because they don't have to get into all of that of how, you know, should we apply as Muslims or non-Muslims. They don't need to deal with that. They just deal with the law and want to divorce and want to deal with custody and alimony. And it's it's perfect because there's so many couples in the UAE, for example, that are living like that. Um, so that's something that we're dealing with and we're learning about every day. So that's that's a very, very a, a big game changer, to be honest. That's what I would call it. Uh, and it's going to help more and more expats in that region. Yeah. When, let's say you have a couple living in the Middle East, I don't know which country, generally, and they want to divorce, like, what should they do? I know it's a broad question, but just to give pointers. Yeah, so... If they're in the UAE and they have a residence visa there, or one of them does, um, they can use the court there to divorce if they want to do, or they can divorce wherever they're from if they want to. If, for example, they're from the UK, the UK has no condition that you have to be resident. As long as you take the box that they have a domicile here, they're originally from here, they're allowed to divorce in the UK. So some people 
who are living there would just prefer to file in the UK because it's easier. Um, but a lot of them might just say, actually, just do it here. It's, you know, we'll, you know I'm British, she's French. Um, just, just do it over here. It's fine. We're both different nationalities. We don't want to, uh, she doesn't want to do it in France. I can't be bothered doing it with the UK. I want to divorce here. So if they want to as non-Muslims, it's not that difficult. So they can sign up, um, they can have an agreement drafted up uh, between them, which is called a settlement agreement. And that's done. It's kind of like an all-encompassing agreement to do with the kids, finances and everything. And that's drafted up, signed by both, translated into Arabic, goes to the court and the court looks at that. And essentially, when you're non-Muslim doing that, they kind of just approve it and allow you to do it. Not that difficult if you agree. If you agree. Yeah. If you agree and if you're non-Muslim... That's you can go to, to that route. But if you're Muslim, what happens? Is it different? On Muslim, there's a, maybe two or three appointments and then they, they just finalize it, they give you the divorce. Um, but if you're non-Muslim and you don't agree, it's complicated. And that's what we kind of touched on just before about bringing home country laws. Yeah. So if you, for example, the Dubai court and you're non-Muslims and you don't agree on something, for example, he, you know, he wants custody or he is asking you want more money from him and he's hiding assets or something else and you have to then file with the normal kind of personal status case and a litigated case at the court and you would it's under the personal status law and you would have to file it and a judge would look at it and you have to file things such as memorandums so they're like you know it's like your witness statement basically so the memorandum is filed by a lawyer it talks about what's happened in the marriage how it's broken down and it just makes it puts forward the wife or the husband's claims of what they want for example, if husband's making the application as the applicant, his claims for custody or maintenance or what he's got, or if wife's making it and then husband has to answer that and then attend court and a judge looks at that and then kind of either sends it off for more information. Maybe he wants father to bring, husband to bring a salary certificate. Maybe he wants more things looked at in terms of his asset. Um, and then the, the judge will then either look at that and um, make a judgment on that. If, however, if mom father files something and mum is British for example or she's French so you're French so I'm going to say that and she brings French law a judge can consider it and look at it but like I said if the other side says well we want personal status law which is UAE law then the, they have to go with that and then she's kind of stuck and she's basically going to have to go with whatever they decide which may be not in her favour and then she might have to appeal so it becomes really long-winded it's very expensive because we have to use the local advocates there and they they charge quite a lot and there's loads of paperwork. So everything's kind of done on a drafting and memorandum basis. And the judge just reviews that, comes in the hearing for 10 minutes, asks a couple of questions and either sends it off to someone else or makes a decision. And that's it. And then he, he puts his judgment down over why he decided what he decided. Um, and then if he's going to divorce the couple, he'll get them divorced as well. Um, and that's works. So that's that's the D- Dubai court, how they do things. With obviously the Abu Dhabi court, it's not done like that. Um, there's no need to bring home country laws. It's just done on the their their code that they've made available to the public. So it's there to see, and it's just standard, you know, the normal procedure. Um, and they would just look at everything and look, just how a UK court would look at it. Yes, um, so yeah, and um, ask for if they need experts to come in, if they need more disclosure, whatever, and then just deal with it in that sense. So it's very different. That's how they're doing it. So the UAE courts, um, Dubai courts, are a bit different as well. Uh, we often hear that women are treated differently in the court system. Um, is it the case? Because is there? Is it the case? 
But women are not treated differently. I think what happens is because they the UAE court system is based on the personal system, well, the Dubai court, personal status law. Obviously, that's based on Sharia principles. So the reason why, and I'm saying this as a Sharia expert, so the reason why women might get less inheritance or less alimony is because um, the court, what how Sharia principles work is that the woman kind of has what she has, but father is responsible for certain payments, but she shouldn't be able to just take 50% of everything that he has because she also will have might have her own money and also she might inherit um, from her family members as well that he can't take from her. So it's based on very old Sharia principles. Um, and you know, some people might look at it and think, oh, that's really unfair. The woman ends up with nothing. It's not that. I mean, I, I'm more than, you know, I obviously want women to walk away with, with obviously what they what they need. I think the court would look at that, but obviously sometimes if you look at it in that perspective, it does look like, oh, it seems unfair. She doesn't get as much. But they the, even the principles of custody and guardianship is that the woman is allowed to have the kids till a certain age. But after that, if the kid, you know, if the child um, wants to, you know, if the mother remarries, ideally the child's custody is handed back to the father and his family. Um, but again, they can agree that she keeps them as well. But the old principles are that, you know, she does kind of forfeit her children in custody if she does remarry because the, the, the children essentially belong to the father's family. Again, it's a Sharia principle. Things such as after a certain age, he can apply for custody. He can, but then children's children have their own wishes and feelings. So they can also express how who they want to stay with. So the court does look at a lot of things, but it can seem, if you look at it black and white, that it seems really unfair. It's just... The way it's run, you know, it might seem bad, but in in those countries, that that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's their, that's their system. That's been the tribal system, and that's what's been fed into the court. So any Western person who thinks, oh, it's fifty fifty, why do I have to hand over custody? They've done it based on the on principles from Islam. So that's how it's normal for them. Just like having one wife is normal in an Arab culture, having you know three and maintaining three is very very normal. While in a Western culture, it's completely abnormal have more than one spouse and do that but over there the family's intertwined and they're, they're perfectly happy so I think it's just looking at it sometimes from a different perspective but yes it can seem like that so that's why lots of people will opt for other courts if they can but if they are having to deal with Dubai court then they do need to be told that this these are how they work and this is what could happen and be very realistic with them the same in Qatar if your father lives if a guardian wants to leaves Qatar and he wants the children to leave with him in the young age, then essentially he can ask the court for permission um, that I'm moving from Qatar, wife is there, but the kids and the guardian even don't live with me, they live with mum, they should be relocating where I am. But then there's pressure on the father to then house the woman, house the children over where he is. And I have this at the moment where father has relocated from Qatar to Abu Dhabi and he's saying that I want them there. So we're like, fine. She can come, but are you going to provide everything for her? So she's going to have to do her job, her life, they're stable, they're in school. So it can get really complicated as well. You know, why can't you just agree for her to stay and he visits because she's not stopping contact. There's all these kind of really difficult areas. And I think policy, obviously, as they're getting more and more expats over the years, you know, they want to change these policies. Yeah. And, um, but it, it, it can get tricky. And obviously people can look at it and think, oh, it's really archaic. It's really old. It's why they're doing that. But they're doing it from what they know and what's been established. But they are, you know, UAE courts, for example, like the Abu Dhabi court's been set up. They are trying to go with the time, you know, to to modernise, to change the system, to have that available for those people that need it. I think that's brilliant. And I think Qatar is is next to follow suit. I'm sure Saudi will in the future, definitely. So everyone's kind of heading 
that way as well. That's really interesting. Yes. It's all about the culture, cultural differences that we have trouble accepting as Westerners, definitely, and understanding these laws. It seems alien. Yes. And people look at things and think, oh my God, that's so different. And sometimes it's different to us, but it's normal for another culture. And we, we know that, you know, and as, as an, an expat's living out there, you know, but, you know, for example, in the UK, if you get a foreign, if you get divorced in a foreign jurisdiction and it's an unfair judgment or you didn't get what you should have got, then they still have recourse to access the um, UK courts under mm. the Matrimonial Causes Act and yeah. ask, Say, for example, my husband divorced me in Qatar and he only gave me this, but he has all these assets and this happened. And the court here in the UK would consider it and give permission or leave, as they call it, to start financial here, even though the divorce took place and a financial agreement was made over there. But it was unfair for some reason. They would, you know, allow, given the reasons and you know, there's certain boxes that need to be ticked and they were looking at it over here and reopening it. So, you know, there is... For example, for UK people, I know there's that option. I'm not sure about other jurisdictions, but I always, I've done quite a lot of them as well. And we've had to kind of, and I've had people come to me and say, I divorced her years ago. What, how she bought this application 10 years later? You know, we, we divorced in this jurisdiction. I gave her everything. She's managed to get permission from the UK court. How has she done it? And she has, and we have to deal with it. And it, it kind of can carry on and it can go on and loads of costs involved. And maybe he hasn't got that money anymore. But, you know, it's, it, it, it can get really messy. So that's why, like I said, um, UK is brilliant like that as well, because they allow and they do give permission. But obviously, like I said, conditions need to be filled. I'm not sure about other jurisdictions. So even if somebody is in the UAE or in Qatar or any of these jurisdictions and they do feel like they've had an unfair divorce or that they didn't get actually what they should have got, um, they can, you know, hopefully with the UK anyway, as a UK lawyer, we can help them. Or there might be other lawyers in other jurisdictions that might allow the same. I'm not sure. Sarah, does that in France, do they do that as well? Or Well, if they... if you have changes in the situation, they might allow it. Okay. So, for example, just say mum wants to relocate to France and then she finds a French lawyer. She's like, I got divorced in, you know, this country and they didn't, you know, I didn't get what I was meant to get. You know, it might be that a judge can look at it and that's brilliant. Well, it depends on, you know, usually because the law applicable will be the law, let's say for the children, where the children are living. If the children have moved to France, then you can revisit whatever, but not on everything. Usually financial agreements are final. Like I say, it's a very complex area. And honestly, I learn new things every day and I find it really interesting. Because never every- the same case, I guess. <laughs> you never yeah. Yeah, every day brings a new case or a new kind of situation. And I'm always really um, excited as well. I want to know what's going on, how I can help someone, even for giving them a bit of a direction or a guidance. You know, I'm, I'm always there to help and learn. So I think it's it's definitely, it's interesting. But like I said, it, it brings there's so many different situations uh, that people are going through and they need, and they, they want to reach out to the right people. And it's just um, um, having that expertise really helps um, that yes. we can help someone that may be stuck in different countries and don't know who to go to as well. That's the problem. That's what usually as expats, you know, living abroad, that's the first difficulty you have is finding somebody. Where where do you turn to? You know, please, yeah. Yeah, we need someone who knows. Saudis, I mean, UAE's got quite a, quite a few, obviously, family lawyers that are there. Qatar's obviously got a couple, but with, with Saudi, there's, there's, people are really stuck, and that's why we are probably one of the main lawyers that people family lawyers that people reach out to 
who have got family situations with the law still there is 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 in their system and they are changing things up like i said you know they're very scared to go out contact local lawyers and they will reach out to us that itself is developing so much it's it's going to grow so much over the next years we're getting a lot and lot of things from there as well and you know we're trying to help people out there who divorce um and expats who are working out there as well and they reach out to us so like i said you know every region brings its own specific issues that we're, we're trying to work with and see you know how we can help even with policy we work with policy makers as well and um, just to see how we can assist with the inquiries we get and what they need to know uh, and we get kind of approached a lot by a lot of they call them think tanks or people uh, local people that are doing research into policy asking lawyers you know what do you guys deal with how can we change this what do we need to do um and where we kind of get on board and join them in their research and that's really exciting and interesting for us as well yeah. i have another question which may be not a question at all is there anything i know the answer to my question uh same sex couples do we deal with them in no so you well, um it's you know it's not allowed weird because i had an inquiry from a south african lawyer saying i have uh, somebody wants to come along they have a child that they have and what is the policy what what goes on and we just had to say look you might need to speak to somebody else uh, but as far as where concern you know where we know it's it's not allowed but that's probably the only one i've ever had you know generally it's 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 um forbidden um, they have relaxed rules such as partners living together that are not married, people having children outside of marriage uh, or the birth of, of the, the who, they don't know who the father is and be able to have a birth certificate, you know, things like that. I think that still is an area where, to be honest, it's in, in the region, generally across the region. Um, the civil court hasn't dealt with that either, so I don't think it's something that they will probably deal with. You never know, never say never, you never know, it might be something that comes in the future, but at the moment it's not something that we deal with in that region um, as well. Because we've, we've in, in Hong Kong, you have more and more couples who have had children, who've been married abroad, they get married abroad, and it's, you know, it's moving slowly, but still, you know, no decision, there wouldn't be a divorce or anything because the, the marriage isn't allowed. But I was just wondering whether there was some movement in that area. No. I don't think there is, but you know, who you know, a few jobs. Audrey, do you, do yes. you have any questions? <laughs> no, I, th I think it was important all what you mentioned, Samara, and about that is the Sharia law can be applied. I mean, if you live in these countries, not just to Muslim couples, but any couples can divorce. Remember, in places like Qatar, UAE, so many, the whole world's there. You know, there's so many. Exactly. Italian mm -hmm. is a, a Chinese person. You know, a French marries, um, you know, a Filipino. You know, everybody, it's just so many different cultures. So everybody's marrying each other because they meet each other there. They mm -hmm. work to see each other. And then, the, you know, a, a Brazilian is marrying an Indian. And, you know, everybody's, you know, I've got like French with Indian. So we get so many different types of couples and we've got to consider everyone's kind of where they're from where they were married where they want to essentially what's the best court for them or jurisdiction for them to divorce so that's the initial kind of advice that we have to work out and give and what's practically best for them given the circumstances do they agree that's the second question do they not agree and then that's another yes. thing that we deal with what's the process there so it's you know it's it's difficult and then it's really hard when somebody leaves with the kids or she wants to leave and while there's not a and there's things like travel bans that are put in place and there's other things going on so it, it's just it can get really messy 
and it can become very expensive and then one side might not be able to pay for it because they don't have as much money and lawyers are expensive and the other side can't so obviously it's always better to agree if you can as much as you can but like I said not everybody is you know not every marriage can be that straightforward sometimes and sometimes it is but it, it can get quite um can get very difficult sometimes you know, that's why we're here to try and help as best as we can with these expats who are stuck. So the, the convention of La Hague, the Hague convention, is doesn't apply in... No. No. I think I think the Hague Convention itself has had lots of meetings and conferences with these countries um, that I'm dealing with. And, you know, I've spoken to individuals who have been in these meetings. But I think as far as I know, nothing's been signed yet with the, these particular jurisdictions. So it's still that when it comes to things like child abduction, there's no hate convention that the person, you know, they, they are kind of stuck, essentially. So we do get quite a lot. The father contacts are saying, you know, she left with the child. I'm in Dubai. She said she was going to the States or to the UK. She's not come back. She's saying she's staying there now. What do I do? There's no hate convention. So we can't get that order and get the kids sent back so we have to then go to um if there's if she's in a different jurisdiction you know go to the lawyers there and then try our best to seek an agreement but you've got to remember father if children are taken from him he can file criminal cases in that jurisdiction so like uae or qatar or whatever country the children were taken from if mom's kids are taken and taken to the uae and that happens a lot then mother has to file in the uae with the police and start a criminal case and she would also need to start one in her home country as well and bring these orders but it's still um i've got quite a few of these it's very hard yes, it must be. but we have to be always encouraging to file a criminal case um with the papers they've got from their jurisdiction that the child was taken from them and not returned and father is in the uae with the kids and try to get um use as much as we can through the family court the criminal court to try and get these kids back as soon as possible It's just really strange. Some people just don't know what to do. They're like, well, where do I go? You know, they're saying that it's, this applies. They're saying this applies, you know, and it's just getting them the right help and the right advice and filing those cases. And we've been quite successful with quite a few of them. And it feels really good to help people where the children have been taken illegally. Um, you know, it's sad when we hear cases where they've been taken and we can't get them back as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's very, very hard area, especially when it comes to kids being taken. It's awful. Uh, and it, I really resonate with that because, you know, I've had mothers just crying, saying my children have been taken from my care. I had one last week. She's father came to visit, took the child on a plane to Qatar. And she's mm-hmm. like, going there now. I need to do something. I don't have much money. I know it's going to cost me. What do I do? I've got orders here from, she's from Japan. I've got orders from Japan. What do I do? You know, we're trying our best to help. So we get different, different situations and it's very, very sad and difficult. Do what we can to get the orders and get them filed and get things going. Um, But it's just such an expensive process as well and a lengthy process sometimes uh, because the hate convention is not involved. That, you know, obviously one person has to pay, like the mother, for example, Sometimes she can't pay, she has to borrow the money if she's struggling. And, it, you know, that's when it gets really hard as well. Well, we're glad we met you so that we can <laughs> tell our clients if we have some with issues. Yes, so, yes. It's definitely um, interesting work, work that I'm passionate about. 
Thank you, Samara. I think you, you, what, what you said uh, is a good, uh, good words to end, to end this podcast because we can feel your passion and from the start and, and, uh, we will, uh, make sure that people have the links to your website, to your contact details on the notes. Uh, so your, your law firm is called Aramas Law and, uh, it can be reached online, but we will definitely, um, give okay. all the details. Just, yeah, just on that point, so we're Aramas Law here in Manchester, but obviously the, the brand in the Middle East is Aramas International Lawyers. So that's uh, so we have a dedicated website just for our expert clients based yeah. over there. Now we will we will put all the links, definitely. And we have we'll have more questions in the future because so many expats are in these areas, in this region, as you as you mentioned, summarize. More and more expats are coming to Dubai and Doha and, and the UAAs. Area is so big. It's only so much you can go into, but I think just generally what we've talked today is, is probably just is helpful for the for listeners. Yes. It's a good um, introduction. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling me on. It's been really nice to to chat to you both about it. Pleasure, Thank Samara. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.